If you would um, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Uh, this morning I have the privilege of, of being able to continue in our, our second uh, part of our series on biblical community this morning. Now, um, my voice, uh, I don't know, there's been, a, there's been sickness that's been going around in our city and, um, and I, my voice may go out uh, in this teaching and some of you can kind of hear that it's kind of uh, raspy this morning. So hopefully the, the Lord just gives me favor uh, all the way through. Um, but um, for some of you that don't know me, my name is Sean Rafferty. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, uh, one of my... Uh, purposes on staff is to uh, build biblical community inside our church. And um, in fact, as a leadership team and a pastoral staff, we've been uh, intentional about infusing um, uh, biblical uh, new things into our church uh, to build biblical community inside us. And and as we uh, the pastoral staff, Eric and I, we've been praying about uh, biblical community in our church. Uh, Eric spoke into that last week about, about how we can't be selfish. We have to have the right, right attitude. We have to have the right perspective when we come in to, to, uh, to enter into biblical community and to fellowship with one another. Um, but I believe that God wants to take us a little deeper um, this, this morning in the study of understanding what biblical community it looks like, what fellowship, godly fellowship looks like. So, um, and as we do, as we look at that, I think God's going to bring some profound truth to our hearts this morning. So, would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to come into this place to gather together as one body, the body of Christ. Lord, we see in, in the Trinity such a beautiful union and communion between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that as we look at some of that even this morning, Lord, that you would teach us a greater, greater truths about community, about who you are, about what you want to do in us, about how you want to build us. And so, Lord, would you come and speak to our hearts and have your way with us. Uh, in Jesus' name, uh, amen. Amen. I want to start with a question uh, this morning. And that question is, what does biblical community look like? I want you to think about it just for a second. What does that look like? Is that what we are doing right here? Is this what God has intended for biblical community and, and fellowship when, when it comes to, to the body of Christ? Or is there something greater that God is wanting to do? What is godly fellowship look like in your life? 
Have you ever uh, come into the doors of the church and walked through these doors and maybe greeted by somebody and then, uh, and then come through and you, you, you get, uh, the ushers are at the door and, and you come in and you sit down and you participate in the service, yet you feel alone. You feel isolated. You don't feel a part of any of what's going on here. Yet you're wanting that. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's what you're feeling as you came in the door and you sat down. You felt alone. You felt like, I'm in a sea of people, yet I don't know anyone here. And I don't feel connected to any of them. Is that truly what God wants when it comes to biblical community? I think as we look at biblical community this morning, we're going to come to an understanding that it's much deeper than just coffee and donuts after service. It's much more than a pizza party in the youth room. There's something deeper that God wants to take us, uh, to, to show us and under, cause us to understand this morning. So let's begin by looking at the definition of the word fellowship in Scripture. I think that's important for us to understand. Now, the word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, and it's only found in the New Testament. Uh, it's not found in the Old Testament, and, and it's, so it's, it's only, to, it's only uh, showed up after the Holy Spirit came in, in, uh, on the scene. When, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he had died on the cross and said, hey, there's one that's coming. There's a helper that's coming uh, after me, the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he's going to, he's going to empower you. Uh, and so after the Holy Spirit came, this, after that is when the word fellowship, the word koinonia started to show up in Scripture. And so I think that's really important for us to understand. In fact, we see the first occurrence of the word uh, koinonia in Acts 2.42. I had asked you to uh, turn to two, Acts 2, uh, and if you would look with me at two, Acts 2.42, and we'll read it together. This is the moment where the church is brand new. The Holy Spirit has come. There's been an incredible uh, uh, move of God and a revival has happened. The church has exploded and now the early church is on its way and it's moving. And everything that God wanted the early church to be is now it's becoming. And then, and then we see what the, the early church was devoting themselves to in Acts 2.42. And it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, which is koinonia, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. The word fellowship here in this verse is the first time that koinonia is, is mentioned in Scripture. And then it's only mentioned 15 other times in the New Testament. Now what's interesting is if you look at these verses where koinonia shows up, and you begin to do a study on these verses, you begin to understand that koinonia is very complex in its definition. 
It's not something you can just go, oh, it's fellowship. You know, it's just having, you know, conversation and enjoying one another. No, it's much deeper than that as, as I have studied this, this week and in the weeks past. The, the Greek word literally means the sharing together of a common life. The sharing together of a common life. It's relationship that consists of sharing together the very life of Christ. Now that seems pretty deep. To share Christ in common. That's a, that's a deep definition, but really what does that mean? What does it mean to, to share together in a common life? Well, let me try to break that down a little bit more. It also means to meet each other's needs. It doesn't mean not to be, it doesn't mean not to be looking out for your own interests. It means to meet each other's needs. To have relationship with one another. Even if it costs us something. And then lastly, it means partnership. It means partnership. In Galatians 2.9, it speaks of koinonia between James and Cephas and John towards Barnabas. In a partnership in ministry. In a commitment to one another. So koinonia is, is, is a fairly deep, uh, uh, deep word, and it means quite a bit for us to understand. Now, I'm not going to look at all the verses uh, where koinonia shows up this morning, but I do want to take us to one section of Scripture that does give us uh, an understanding uh, of, the, of, this not, uh, of its, its meaning. And that's 1 John chapter 1. So if you would turn with me over to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at the first seven verses together. Four of the uh, 15 occurrences uh, of the word koinonia are, are here in this text. And I believe will help us understand what, what it's talking about. So look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now it's talking about Jesus here. The life was manifested, which is Jesus, the life that was given to us and came to us uh, from heaven, and, have, and we have seen and bore witness and declared to you the everlasting life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So now, it's, it's this deeper understanding that Jesus was given to us, but not just Jesus, but this eternal life, that this, this relationship that God came to us and is now in, in desiring relationship with us through eternal life and giving us that op opportunity to come to know him. And then he says in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have koinonia, have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship, our koinonia, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. 
This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship or koinonia with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ uh, his son cleanses us from all sin. So there's this understanding that, that there's a deep relationship in this text. It starts with the understanding that we have fellowship with the Father, fellowship with Jesus. That there's an intimacy, a close relationship with the Father that comes uh, to us through, through salvation. And in that, we now have fellowship with one another. We are able to enjoy relationship, close relationship with each other because we have something in common. That we're a part of the body of Christ, that we're part of the same family. And so God is saying, you can't have fellowship with, with one another if you don't have fellowship with me. It begins there. So what God is getting at here in, is that fellowship is not an activity to be participated in, but it is a relationship that is to be entered into. Church, it's absolutely impossible to live the Christian life without relationship. It's not enough to just have coffee in the lobby when you come to church or watch the service on the weekend and go, oh, that's so good. That's not what God intended for us to be. No, God wanted us in relationship with him and then in relationship with each other. The huge redwood trees uh, of California are amazing. Now, one day I hope to see them in person but I have seen them in picture, and they're amazing. I mean, their trunks, uh, the trunk of the tree is just like massive. These trees are the largest living thing on earth. Do you know that? The trees are, are, are the tallest trees in the world. Some of them are over 300 feet tall. Beautiful trees. 2,000 years old, some of them are 2,000 years old. And you would think that these trees would have uh, this incredible, tremendous uh, root system that would go down hundreds of feet, right? You would think, man, how does that tree stand up, especially when the winds blow and, and all of that? Yet these, these, these uh, trees have very shallow root systems, and what's interesting is they grow next to each other. And as they grow, their roots uh, interlock with one another. And they intertwine. So when the storms of life come, when, when the winds blow, these redwoods stay standing. They need one another to survive. And the same is true for us Christians. We need each other to survive. You see, God never intended us to live the Christian life alone. As individuals, we face discouragement. We face 
uh, trials, we face temptation, we face sin, we face apathy, failure, uh, materialism comes in, and, and all these things bombard us, right, in our society. We are challenged by unbelievers, maybe in our, in our family, maybe friends of ours. We are, we are challenged with doubt and, and rejection. And all the while, God is wanting us to not walk that alone. He wants us to be in relationship with each other as we do those, as we face those things. He has given us each other. Now remember that moment in your life when you open up the Bible for the very first time, right? And you're, you're like, God, where, where do I start? You're a new believer and you, and you go, well, I guess I'll start at the beginning, and you start, you open it up and you go through the, 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 to the beginning and you get to Genesis chapter one, right? And you start reading and it says in the beginning and it starts to put out all these, God created this and God created that and, and you get to verse 26 of chapter one. If you want to, you can turn there with me. But it's where, G, where God is having this conversation with himself. You know what I'm talking about? This moment where God has this conversation with himself and it says in verse 26, then God said, let us make, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, the first time I read that, I don't know if you wondered what I wondered, but who is us and who is our? Who is God talking to here? I mean, he, he's by himself. So what, who, is he talking, who is he talking about? Now, for some of you really smart people here, you're obviously saying, well, this is a reference to the Trinity. But for us normal people, we were wondering, is God schizophrenic? <laughs> and the answer is no, God is not schizophrenic. He is referencing himself. He is referencing himself, and if you begin to study the Bible, you will soon understand that we serve one God that is three persons. We serve a God that is singular in character, in nature, but plural in person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God, that's our God, the one we pray to, the one we sing to, the one we worshiped just this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, beautifully three in one. Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image. So how important is community to God? Well, wait a minute. God in and of himself is a community. And a beautiful community in that. How important is community and fellowship to God? There is a perfect union within the Trinity. And because of that union, there is a sweet communion between them. Close relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Communion within themselves. We see the beauty of, of of God the Father loving the Son. We see Jesus saying, Father, 
whatever, whatever you want. We see the Holy Spirit pointing, always pointing to Jesus. This beautiful relationship that we see inside the community. Now look back at verse 26 uh, of, of Genesis chapter 1. It says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So we are made in the image of God. So being made in the image of God, we are communal beings. We are made to have community. We are made for that purpose. Designed and coded for relationship and community. So as our society moves more and more away from the real fellowship, because it is, with Instagram and Facebook and all those things, we have become, we have started to, to move away from real fellowship and real community. We have pseudo-fellowship and pseudo-community. We, 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 we go out and we, we text someone instead of actually encountering them. And because of that, we have found that there's a greater void in our lives for relationship, true relationship. Some of you are here, sitting here today, and you're saying, I am lacking fellowship in my life. I'm lacking true relationship. Yet you text and you do all kinds of things online. My family put away the Christmas tree yesterday and all the decorations. I don't know if that happened in your house. Um, you probably did it a week ago. Um, we were a little late. Some of you still need to get on the bandwagon here. Um, but uh, as we put the tree away, you know, first of all, we have a nine-foot tree, so it takes up a lot of space. And, and we were taking all the stuff down and all the stuff. We put it all in the boxes. And, and it is a task to put that tree away, isn't it? Like, for my tree is like an old tree, I think, because it is heavy. It is like the heaviest thing in the world to put that thing away. But when I put it, we got it all away, and we, we got all the boxes away, and I was like, ah, oh, something's missing. There was a, like a void in our house. I don't know about you, but I was looking around going, where is everything? Maybe I need to go buy something and, and fill this spot with something because it looks empty. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel the same way. Maybe there is a void in your life in the area, uh, area of fellowship and relationship. You're not an isolated individual living inside of but apart from community. You're an interconnected, interdependent being intended for relationship and community. That's who you are. Church, we need each other. We need each other. It's the way God designed us. God has ordained that we are a part of each other's lives. That's what he, was, he has ordained. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as it is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more that as, as the day is approaching. So God has a purpose for putting us together to stir us up 
with love, to stir up love and, and good works, to exhort one another, to cause each other to, to excel and become all that God wants us to be. Especially when we face the trials and, and difficulties of life. That's when we need each other the most, don't we? God doesn't want us to face them alone. He, he wants us to be supported and strengthened and encouraged and built up and empowered through the fellowship of, of believers. As the storms and temptations of life come our way, we should be strengthened by spiritual fellowship instead of discouraged because we're alone. Warren Wearsby says this about fellowship. When God's love feels distant and non-existent, the body of Christ's love is real and tangible. Yet, let me ask the question, is that true here? Is that true with us? You see, God is challenging us something with something this morning. He's challenging us with the way we live, the way we love, the way we care. Now, remember koinonia, the definition that we started with? It's not merely having a relationship. It's much deeper that, than that. It's, it's relationship that meets the needs of those you're in relationship with. It's coming in and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for a need to, to meet in someone's life. It's the idea of sharing a, a common life with one another. If we are one body in Christ and a part of the body is hurting or is in need, is it our job to come alongside them? and meet that need in their life? The best example I have of this is the relationship between a parent and a, and a child. As a parent sees their child in, in, in an area in their, their life is, is deficient, that, that parent says, oh, what, whatever I have to do to, to fill that deficiency in my ch child's life, maybe they're struggling in school, and you're like, you know, let's find something. And you're talking to your, your spouse, and you're saying, what do I need to, to fix this area in their life? And, and you're, you're meeting the need. You're getting involved in, in, in meeting the need of, 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 their, of their life. Or maybe there's a, a medical procedure that they need because, because they're sick or there's an area of their, their body that's not well. And, and you're saying, whatever it takes, I will pay whatever cost because I want my son or my daughter to make it through. That's koinonia. That's fellowship that costs us something. Now that's easy to do in a family when it's your child or your son or daughter. But I want you to hear something. We are family here this morning. We are part of the family of God. And yet we do not love this way. We do not live this way oftentimes. 
So keep that understanding of koinonia in your mind, and then I want you to remember back with me to another moment in, in Genesis. Where God has created everything perfect, right? The stars are in the sky, and the earth is made. All of living creatures uh, are, are made. Adam is created, and, and God looks at all of it and says, oh, this is so good. Adam's got the best vegetables. He's got the best fruit. He's got, he's got all the pets in the world that he wants. He, he, he's just living the life, right? And God looks at Adam, and he says, this is not good. He says, Adam, you're alone. You're alone. And all the guys say, amen, right? God in the beginning recognizes the need for community in us because we are made in his image. Now that we understand that, let me ask another question. What is the purpose of the church? What is our purpose? Some of you might be saying, well, to love God and to to love others. Okay, that's a good answer. But let me go a little bit deeper, more specific. What is the purpose of mankind? What is our purpose uh, as mankind? Now, that's a big question, right? That's a big question to, to take in, to digest. What is the purpose of our existence? Is it to to live and to eat, now I love to eat. That's a good one. To love, oh, that's a good one. To love, to, to dance, to sing, to, to, to experience life to the fullest. Is that what this life is all about? What is our purpose on this earth? Well, yes, loving God and loving others is a part of that. But why? Because we are to reflect the image of our God. We are to reflect the image of our God. What is the purpose of mankind? Well, it's to reflect the image of our creator God. That's the purpose of our existence. This is when we find the greatest fulfillment. We find our purpose in life. This is when we find the true, our truest meaning. All of creation finds its proper place and meaning and purpose when it accurately reflects the image of God. I have found no greater joy in this life than to reflect my creator. Now having established that, then it's impossible to fulfill mankind's purpose alone. Because God in and of himself is community and he reflects community to us through the Trinity. So as hard as it is for me to admit to you, I need you in my life. I need you. Yet the other reality is you need me. You need me in your life as well. We need each other in in our lives. 
Yet oftentimes, we will, drive, we will go out of these doors, we will get in our car and we will drive home, put up the garage door and go into our house and never talk to anyone. And what's sad is we are okay with that. We are okay with that. How hard is it to hang out a, a, a little bit longer how hard is it to seek out someone that you don't know? But Sean, that's, that's awkward. I mean, I, I don't know these people. I mean, look at them. They don't even look like me. Yet we are a family. And we should start to get to know each other. Begin to love each other. Begin to care about each other's needs and love each other in that way. Chicago is known for uh, its ice storms every year. Now, I don't know if any of you have lived in Chicago, but during those ice storms, they're not fun to, to live through. Every year, the city loses trees, especially the ones that stand alone uh, by themselves, because as this, the ice starts to build uh, layer upon layer on these branches, the weight of those branches becomes, uh, the weight on those branches is, is extreme, and then they eventually just break. And then the city has to take them down, uh, especially those trees that are standing alone. But most of the time, those trees that are standing next to each other the branches that are connected or are in, interconnected with each other, the weight, uh, the weight of that ice doesn't become a problem for them because they freeze together. And they, they have to, those that stand next to one another make it through the storm. And the same is true for us. As believers, as we face storms in this life, the closer we stand together, the more we will pass through them. The more the encouragement will come in and spiritual challenge will, will happen in our lives. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 uh, and 10 says this, two are better than one because they have a more return for their labor. For either of them, for if either of them falls, one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not anyone to lift him up. When the storms of life hit, we need to be standing close together as Christians. The closer we stand as a body, the stronger we will be. Now let me ask uh, another question. What is more important than the world seeing God? What is more important than the world knowing God? What is more important than the world encountering the, the reality of the true and living God? If that is of the utmost importance, then what urgency does that place on us being the church, on our connectedness, on our commitment to community, on our relationship with one another, on our love and respect and honor of each other. You see, church, without 
God's community, our world may never see God. Without God's church, the planet may never understand his love. You see, I love God's community because because I love God. And I love God because God loved me first. And it was because of Jesus Christ coming and establishing his church that we can now encounter him through relationship with his people. So now that we understand what koinonia looks like, and we understand what, what that looks like, and we begin to live in koinonia, and we begin to live in fellowship with one another, that naturally produces ministry. Well, what do you mean, Sean? Koinonia produces ministry. As we begin to fellowship with one another, the opportunities for ministry open up all around us. Loving and caring for one another and serving one another and meeting each other's needs becomes a natural acts of love that God wants us to, to, to be and to do inside the body of Christ. If we're not ministering to one another through fellowship, then many of the needs in the church will go unmet. And they do every week. The second thing that koinonia does or produces is guidance. Every sheep needs guidance, direction, and and correction. If you're here as a sheep, as a part of the body of Christ, and you don't want guidance, you don't want, uh, you, you don't want direction and correction in your life, then you've missed, you're missing out on the understanding of discipleship. So fellowship produces guidance. Someone once said, without accountability, there's no motivation for change. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise and the, the, wise the rest of your days. God longs to guide us safely through this life, through the counsel of his, his people. So as we become, as we enter into koinonia with one another, we're going to be able to speak into each other's life. And ministry and guidance happens naturally. It's beautiful. And then lastly, koinonia produces godly friendship. Godly friendship. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Friendship costs us, doesn't it? That's koinonia, guys. The blessing of friendship through koinonia. So as we close, how do we apply this practically this morning? I know this is heavy. It's heavy on my heart. I know that I'm failing in some of these areas. I know that our society is going away from this idea and, and, and God is calling us to come closer to it. 
So how do we put this into practice this, this morning? We'll come to church, begin to come to church, praying and asking the Lord, how can I meet someone's need, Lord? Where is there a need to be met in our fellowship today? Is there someone that needs prayer? Is there someone that needs care, love, a tender touch, a high? As we, if we walk around with those kind of eyes, the eyes of Jesus, and we look and we see uh, see people with the eyes of Jesus, maybe, just maybe, we would see the needs that are right here this morning. So come into the church with, with the idea, God, I'm going to come with, with the idea of meeting someone's need this morning. Every time I come in, Lord, I'm going to look to meet someone's need. You can get involved in a connect group and begin to fellowship in a, in a, in a deeper way. You could start a connect group. Come talk to me. We need more connect groups. 20 is not enough. Start to get involved and and start to fellowship with one another in a way that that God has intended for us to care for one another. Go out to lunch with somebody. Take someone out to coffee and not just pass time, but, but care by listening. Invest yourself in them. Challenge them with the word of God. Be quick to pray for somebody. Call someone up that you haven't seen in a long time. Invite someone over to your home in order to get into fellowship like this. When's the last time someone's been over at your house? When's the last time you've invited someone in? Begin to love one another like Christ has loved us. That's the challenge for us this morning. It's a hard challenge, but I believe, I believe that God has not put us together to fail, but to accomplish what he has set out for us to do. And so in this, my prayer this morning is that we would make this a purpose in our hearts, and purpose in our hearts to, to love and to, to be in fellowship this way. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for uh, this good word this morning. You're so good to challenge us, Lord. Lord, you don't want us to be stagnant. You don't want us to be complacent. You don't want apathy in our life. And so, Lord, we are pushed in the area of community this morning. And we're challenged, Lord. Lord, we... We hear, your, we hear your voice. And Lord, as we sit here this morning, I just pray right now for each of you to purpose in your heart about something that you heard in this message. And Lord, would you just confirm that in their hearts right now? Maybe they need to, to care enough to, to step out of their comfort zone and love someone by meeting their need. Maybe they need to just begin to be in relationship because they're isolated and alone. 
But Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we would purpose that in our hearts this morning. Put it into practice. We ask this in Jesus' name.